0: Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the Science Fiction Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. And we're back uh, after a short little break. Fun break. I Fun had Fun break. Good yeah, I did too. I've been, um, I guess we should say what we are, uh, Science Fiction Book Club podcast. This month, we're reading Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. This week, we're doing a short little, like, mini episode because, uh, uh honestly we had some computer trouble so we're we're <laughs> recording the the final episode next weekend instead of this weekend um but we'll be doing that with ellie she will be returning so that should be a fun episode and this week we're doing another things we like episode because i think people like them and listen to them at least um which is shocking to me but i'm glad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, that's right. Tell our audience they shouldn't be liking the things that we like.
1: <laughs> oh no, no, they
0: should. I'm just surprised. I know. I know. It's always, <laughs> it's always weird that people listen to this at all. Um, but I'm super grateful for it. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we took a couple weeks off. It has definitely let me like focus on some work and just like life in general. Um, so that's been And, uh, and what, uh, what have you been getting into and what have you liked (laughs) during that time, Adrian? Well, funny that you should ask. Um, (laughs) so the first thing I like is actually the, the work that I've been doing right now. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, so I've mentioned a few times that I, I've been working in politics, that I work in politics. This is, you know, new for me. And I, uh, I, I'm actually like the executive director of a political action committee um, in Iowa uh, right now. I, I don't live in Iowa. I live in New York City, but I, I've been running one in Iowa. We might eventually spin up a few others in other states. But what we do is um, we focus on fundraising for kind of underfunded Democratic state legislative candidates, um, you know, hopefully eventually across the nation right now we're, we're piloting our program in Iowa. And, um, so it's really cool. We have a slate of 15 candidates. If you go to measuredpolitics.org, you can find out information about them. You can find out information about us and what we're doing. You can donate to the candidates if you're an American citizen or an American, um, A green card holder. Uh, Yeah. And it's it's really cool work that we're doing. And one of the most interesting things about it, and I think, you know, some of the folks who listen to our podcast will like this is we're working with a political scientist to run a completely unprecedented political science study. Um, What we've done is we've taken a group of really great Democratic challengers in the Iowa State House, um, and we are fundraising for half of the group that we vetted. So we vetted about 30 candidates, and we've randomly selected 15 of them to fundraise for. And we're going to actually be able to do a randomized controlled study of like, what does this money actually do for these candidates? What do, you know, there's no strings attached to the money. It's purely giving them money. And you know, it's, what are they using it for? Are they able to fundraise more because of it? Are they able to get more votes because of it? Are they able to win because of it? And also we're looking at up ballot effects. So do the, does the governor's race do, does the governor get more votes in those locations than in the locations that we're not fundraising for? Um, you know, they, like I said, this has just never been done before ever. <laughs> um, so we're doing something really, really cool. And, um, it's also, you know, hopefully helping Democrats win, which is important to me, um, especially at the local level and some of these like forgotten, like middle America states, they don't, they like $10,000 is a lot of money for them to raise for their entire campaign. And it's, it's not enough to run a campaign with. So hopefully we're changing that. Yeah. And
1: it's, uh, you know, uh, for my part, it's a, I think it's a wonderful project. I really like it a lot. I think one of the things about it that's especially wonderful is the the fact that it's so far below the top of the ticket. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that's really important for the future of the Democratic Party and for, you know, the future of American
0: democracy. I agree. That's (laughs) why I'm spending so much time and energy on it. Um, It's really, it's, it's cool. And, uh, you know, Matt, you, you helped me out like actually with this really early on putting me in touch with uh, some of our donors and stuff. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been cool. It's been, a, it's been a really good time. And, uh, you know, we've raised $93,000 so far. Uh, Woo. yeah, that's it's, awesome. <laughs> it's a lot of money uh, and we're still fundraising and, you know, anything from, you know, $50 on up, like is, is helpful for these candidates. So, so how can people uh, donate if they want to? Right. uh, Measuredpolitics.org. All of the donations go directly to the candidates. None of it goes through us. There's like donate buttons all all over the website. (laughs) If you go there, there's also you donate through ActBlue, which is like a payment processor for Democratic candidates. Uh, But and there there's a you know, I think it's like secure.actblue.com slash donate slash MP Iowa. But just just go to the the measuredpolitics.org and you'll you'll get right there.
1: Yeah, one of the things I really like about this is that, you know, if you're concerned that you want your money to go directly to candidates, um, that's what's going to happen here. You know, you're not going to be sending any money, not even a single cent is going to go to some political action committee. What the political action committee does is it um, it finds the candidates for you and then you donate directly to them. So, right.
0: Cool. Well, now that we've alienated all of our Republican and non-American listeners, what what have you been enjoying? (laughs) Well,
1: uh, from the sublime to the YouTube. uh, (laughs) Also sublime. (laughs) It's it's impossible to follow measured politics. It's a really important and great thing. Um, But I'm going to just talk about some stuff that is, you know, not really important at all but that has been fun for me (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's that's what we're supposed to be
0: doing here (laughs) yeah you need
1: a break you need a break i really like this is a youtube channel uh run by a guy named mike boyd Mm -hmm. m-i-k-e-b-o-y-d um
0: i think that's the youtube
1: channel name too is just his name yeah mike boyd and um he uh does a lot of different videos about learning things. He tries to teach himself stuff from zero to some level of competency. Like he'll set himself a goal in a video and he'll try to get to that goal from not knowing how to do something or from only knowing a little bit about how to do something. And it's really a feel-good, happy, positive, kind of empowering sort of thing to watch when you just want to relax and watch something fun because it's all about somebody you know, improving themselves. And he's a kind of, you know, charming guy to watch online because he's a very, he's very sort of nice and open. And he's not, he doesn't come across, although of course he is, you know, running a business, he doesn't come across as somebody who's in it for the bucks. Uh, he's, he's enjoying himself. And it's very obvious that that he's um, really doing it for that. And uh, it's just a really wonderful kind of piece of, of happy, um, happy to learning that uh that you can use to escape from other things or to just enjoy and inspire yourself to better yourself too
0: right they're they're super fun oh i should say i i i I learned about this from adrian so right (laughs) (laughs) we're we're trading (laughs) things here (laughs) um they're super they're super super fun videos um i mean that's why i showed them to you we we like binged like (laughs) an hour and a half of them at one point together. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't the only time I benched them. (laughs) Right. Me me neither. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's been, um, yeah, I think that's a really good description of it that it's, it's, it's like joyful and interesting. And I just love watching someone figure something out. Like the, 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 there's like this narrative arc to each one of like, it's hard and I don't know what I'm doing. And then I, like something clicks and i begin to like start moving forward on it
1: there's such a vicarious thrill when he like figures it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's 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 potent yep <laughs> what's something else that you've enjoyed adrian yeah Maybe, uh, well um this something just completely different
0: dropped uh yesterday although like as we're recording it we're, we're releasing this a few days from now um But, uh, the new season of Bojack Horseman just dropped. I've only seen one episode of it before, (laughs) before we started recording, I like had a half hour. So I got an episode in, um, but yeah, Bojack Horseman is, it's a cartoon on Netflix. That is probably the best TV show on TV right now. Um, it is, (laughs) it is one of my favorite things just in the world. Um, it's about a depressed actor, which like oftentimes, and I've said this before, like oftentimes these kind of like TV shows about TV shows or books about books or stories about stories I can find really self-indulgent, but this isn't at all. Like I never have that feeling for it. Instead, it's like a really interesting look at depression and mental illness and like the alienation that comes with modern society and issues of like class, like in like friend, poor friends being friends with rich friends and what class does to those friendships and everyone's animals. There's animals and people. They're all anthropomorphic animals, except for the ones who are people. It's also hilarious. It's the funniest fucking show that you've ever seen um i know you've seen a couple of episodes or a season or so and you know there's like it loves its puns but it it doesn't dwell on them it just does them and moves on and just like uh, that's
1: (laughs) yeah that's the right way to do that (laughs) (laughs) The, the, the the amount of this show i've seen has been awesome and i i've heard from you and from other people that it just gets better and better so it sounds, yeah sounds like something i need to look at more
0: that's one of the interesting things about it is it's the only tv show i've ever seen where it starts really really good it starts great and every season gets better It it is consistently getting better and in a way that is building on itself and building on the characters and like you care about the characters, but it also doesn't shy away from the ways in which they're bad people and the ways in which they're good people and that that coexists in people. And, you know, it's not it doesn't excuse any of their behavior, but it also like looks at it deeply. Um, I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, every time a new season comes out, I binge the whole thing so i'll probably have watched it all before this actually like drops <laughs> i've only seen one episode so far it was great and each season has a different arc and does something different with the show which i also really appreciate cool i love it this actually cool.
1: reminded me of something i wasn't going to bring up but speaking of new seasons of shows a new season of the great british baking show on netflix uh
0: so that's pretty cool i actually like the new hosts too Oh, do you? I haven't seen any of it. Um and I've I've been unsure if I was going to or not. Yeah, I would say check it out. I, I, I think the new hosts are good. Cool. It's
1: not it's cool. not exactly the same, but you know what? Uh you know Right. Life Nothing life, ever life is, is changed.
0: You know, entropy exists. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not one to be like, oh something changed, so thus it's bad. I, I you know. Maybe it'll
1: never recapture the magic. 100% but if it gets 90% I mean that's pretty good. It's like, totally great. <laughs> I, I've been really enjoying
0: it cool Okay, that's interesting. Is that is that your do you want to do you want to I was gonna say I'm kind of uh, yeah, no, Bojack. I, I, I
1: yeah, 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 no, I can I can do an actual one. That wasn't what I was gonna talk about That was just <laughs> cool. kind of almost on the side. That's just
0: another uh, bonus thing. We like <laughs> bonus
1: um, Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So the next thing I was going to talk about is a book that I've been reading um, that is not a science fiction book at all. Um, it's really enjoyable, and it's definitely fits in the category of something completely different. Um, it's a book. Nice. It's an academic book about um, Renaissance Italy or you know Counter Reformation Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called "The Cheese and the Worms" by Carlo Ginsberg. It was published in 1976, and it's a study of uh, one lower class man who was put on trial for blasphemy a couple of times and eventually and eventually executed and it's a study of who he was what he believed how the trials went the cultural context of his beliefs where did they come from what significance do they have how can we use them to understand to get a much richer picture of what life was like for people in a time and place that's pretty far removed you know, from anything that we're really familiar with. Um, the reason it's called The Cheese and the Worms is because, I mean, in order to understand, like, I, I just love this book. It's super cool and interesting. It gives you, I love uh, good academic history books. This is a really good academic history book. It is about something uh, very specific, and it gets into a high level of detail about the events that it describes. Um, and it, it's willing to follow connections from those events to other things. But it's it's describing this one particular event or series of events or one particular person's life in such detail uh, because it sees it as part of this larger project of understanding more people's lives and understanding the stuff that gets missed. You know, this in some sense, this book is all about the history that gets missed because it's not the history of rich or powerful people or of anyone who won or of anyone who mattered. This guy that it's about, um, Minocchio, he is a miller. From a tiny town in Friulia, which is north of Venice. And he was a nobody. He didn't matter at all. Uh, But he kind of, over the course of his life, became this sort of eccentric. He was a very gregarious guy. He became a little bit, he developed these eccentric religious beliefs, and he would just expound his eccentric religious beliefs to everybody around him. And eventually, he pissed off this local friar, and the local friar. Was pissed off enough that he referred the guys, he referred the guy's case to a local Inquisition. This is the era of the Counter-Reformation, so the Catholic Church is engaged in this sort of continuous and uh w- series of waves of, of 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 uh attempts to like stamp out various heterodox beliefs. You know, there's not just Protestantism, there's Anabaptism and all these other things. And so they initially, they're, they're hearing about this guy, and they're like, oh, man, is he in a cell of secret Anabaptists that are plotting, you know, mm-hmm. what, whatever, whatever. Turns out, no, he's just one guy. He doesn't have any connections to anybody. He's just one weird guy <laughs> who developed these weird beliefs for idiosyncratic reasons and wouldn't give up on them. he You know, despite being put on trial twice for his life he and being imprisoned for decades, he never really he he was proud of these strange beliefs Mm. that he developed for himself reminded me in a lot of ways of my grandfather or like just people that i have met who Mm -hmm. have their own unique take on world affairs or the questions of the day and they they take themselves seriously they want to be taken seriously by others and and just because you know they don't fit some kind of fancy or you know accepted version of events they don't even necessarily see themselves as not fitting they they just see themselves as themselves. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a really fascinating detailed study of a person who's, who's, who's not important, but whose very lack of importance makes them sort of representative. Um, and, uh, and the kind of exceptional or at least, you know, unusual from the perspective of Orthodox history beliefs that this guy held, you know, Mm -hmm. so that the reason it's called the cheese and the worms is because he had this view of the, origin of existence it's very counter to the accepted the then you know accepted ecclesiastical view of the origin of existence he believed that uh, originally there was formless chaos and out of that emerged uh god and the angels like Hmm. um like worms
0: out of cheese. <laughs> right, because at this point, people thought that like life spontaneously formed from rotting food. <laughs> they did. Well, that's what's so interesting, is that,
1: that those beliefs of his were, in that sense, more like current, scientifically held beliefs than right. the beliefs of the church. But he didn't come to them because of that. He came to them because cheese is something that he had made in his life. It was a metaphor right, that was familiar to him. Right,
0: right. I, I just, this sounds so fascinating to me. And I, I, you know, one thing that I really like about academic history books in particular is that I often find that academic history books are very accessible as someone who like studied, frankly, very little history in, in college or in any sort of academic sense. But they, the good ones like this. Yeah, this like, is a good one. Like they have a story, and they have a, a an emotional and narrative core, a narrative through line, and they like tell real human stories about real humans. And this this sounds, yeah, it sounds super interesting. It's you know a time and a place and a time period that I just know nothing about. And already I'm like, I want to know everything about this guy and like about his, you know? Oh yeah. You know? And the beautiful thing is it's like his story is also the story of the like time and place that he is in. And like, you can't divorce those two things from each other. And it's why this kind of history is so powerful and so interesting. Oh yeah. Um, I have some other recommendations for, uh, for, for, you know,
1: just pre-Reformation, Reformation, Reformation, and just post-Reformation, Italy, Italian history, that stuff is super interesting. (laughs)
0: That's cool. That's great. (laughs) Cool. All right. Your turn, dude. Yeah. So my, my last thing right now is also a book. I would say it's insert, it's a science fiction novel that I'm reading right now that in almost some ways reads as like a future history. Um, it's called America city by Chris Beckett chris is a british science fiction author actually he wrote the dark eden trilogy which is dark eden mother of eden and daughter of eden which is one of my like favorite series of books ever they're they're phenomenal they're so i know we've both read them yeah i love them too we're both big fans huge huge fans and chris is a really like great guy um I've interacted with him through, like, several different things, including Twitter and Reddit and stuff. And, um, but America City is his most recent novel, and it's set in kind of a near future America, where the United States are on the verge of breaking up because of climate change, because there are a lot of climate refugees within America of, like, the southern states are kind of falling apart because of uh, the, the book begins with a hurricane in north carolina which is there is currently a giant hurricane in north carolina like as we record this um so that honestly feels like almost a little bit too real i'm having almost a hard time reading it at times right now but the book is about like you know the southern states are falling apart the plain states are turning into a dust bowl again The, you know, southern coastal states are dealing with hurricanes that are just getting bigger and bigger and harder and harder and destroying more and more infrastructure. And um, it's this really interesting thing where it takes a um, it follows the political campaign of a politician who in certain ways is on the is on the right and is sort of this like, you know, almost like Trump like figure in certain ways. But he has this plan of he wants to reconfigure America and move the southern states up to the northern states and like reconfigure America so it can actually be strong and actually work in a post climate change world. And it's a really interesting look at class. So, so Chris used to be a social worker and has dealt a lot with like class in the United Kingdom and with like people of different classes and like how upper class people relate to lower class people and vice versa. And so it's a really interesting look at this kind of like, look at class, the type of what it looks like when a person like moves between classes because they've lost everything in a flood or whatever. Um, and what it looks like when, you know, this guy is really trying to like change the very meaning of like what the United States are um you know i will say that like it it some things work better than others and the fact that he is not an american shows sometimes <laughs> like there's, there's oh, really there's, there's just little elements where and it's always in in like little details where it's like oh that's slightly off in this way um overall though i am halfway through the book i've really been loving it um it just came out in america very recently it's been out for like a, I think like a year or more um and it just came out in the u.s um and only on Kindle so it's only available via ebook in the US from what i understand but um yeah it's been a really it's been a really fun read and a really interesting read and i think it's you know it's one of these books that i find this with all of his books like there are times where maybe i don't agree with his points but i like the way he makes them and i like the like the things that he's like kind of poking on and pushing on um it's different than all i think a lot of than like a lot of what you read. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've, I I've really been enjoying it. Love it. Love the sound of that. Cool. All right. So what's, uh, what's your final thing here? Well, I think,
1: you know, so this is a little tough to talk about. So, okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, to say that I, you know, completely a hundred percent recommend it would not be true, but mm. I have been watching the show Jack Ryan on Amazon and I have many thoughts on Jack Ryan. Um, on the one hand, it is sort of, it's like intended to be mind candy. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, I don't think it's trying, it it may or may not be trying to be, you know, a more serious show. I think in some senses it probably is trying to be that. Um, <laughs> but it's also, it's also clearly, you know, intended to be mind candy. It's like almost like a superhero show, but the guy doesn't actually have superpowers he's a cia agent so is it's about it, this guy
0: yeah oh yeah sorry i was going to ask like cuz i've seen uh like one ad for it maybe and i know it's kind of like a tom clancy thing like is it like what what other tv show would you compare it to is it like 24 homeland. 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 Okay, homeland okay 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 cool yeah, cool yeah
1: yeah it's most similar to homeland um I haven't seen that much Homeland but it, you mm. know I've seen a few episodes of Homeland. The
0: first season was great, the rest was terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so it's a show about a CIA analyst. The main character is a CIA analyst and he ends up for various reasons going into the field. Um and so it kind of bounces back and forth between various, you know, sexy locales around the world including Syria, uh, Turkey, France, the US and um even Africa. And it's it also bounces back and forth between the stories of these two brothers who become terrorists, who are the antagonists, and the stories of a couple of other Americans and Jack Ryan, the title character. Um, and it's sort of you know it's a it's a it's about a terrorist plot that CIA analyst Jack Ryan is attempting to foil. That's the the high level, but it's also attempting to be about like. A lot of other things, you know. How does um, radicalization happen? Like one of the interesting things about the show is that it depicts, from start to finish, the life of the te- the lives of the of the main terrorists. Like it shows them as children in, in Lebanon uh, in 1983. It shows them as sort of young men in Paris, in the outskirts of Paris, um, in the banlieue, um, in you know the early aughts. It shows them um, living pre-plot or like during plot, you know, living in, in Syria. It shows them moving around the world. It shows them there's an enormous amount of dialogue that ha- that is spoken in Arabic. And it shows a lot of different characters who are Middle Eastern, um, just sort of in a lot of different kinds of like mo- an enormous amount of screen time is spent on the terrorists. Interesting. To the point to the point where. And including and, and and also spent on like non-terrorist people who live near them or who are related to them or who that's good. That's you know. important. So there's a lot of effort to humanize them and treat them as seri- as like people with stories and to tell those stories. And I think the show seems, at least to me, to have uh, uh, to 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 sometimes at least have really good intentions. With with regard to a lot of those issues, Uh, and they're really tricky issues. And I think just the the sheer fact that you see family scenes on American television that take place entirely in Arabic and that involve women and children just being good, normal people to each other is kind of, you know, it's a really low bar, but that's a cool thing to see on American television. You know what I mean? Right. I honestly didn't think I was going to see that when i when i, I mean that's something on. that homeland
0: never did in the like 3 or 4 seasons yeah, i watched. Yeah,
1: fuck homeland. It makes <laughs> homeland look so much even worse, honestly. Like <laughs> Right. But anyway, um so you see for example, and, and there's a, a very extended sections of of the this one season of this out, so that's what i'm referring to. There's very extended sections that are from the perspective of the main terrorist's wife who who becomes a refugee. And so you, so a lot of the show, you, you sort of, it's, it's, it's really like taking a tour of modern, modern Middle Eastern politics and news. So there's some stuff that's clearly like ISIS politics stand-ins and then some stuff that's like Syrian war stand-ins. And there's some stuff that's like refugees being refugees and going along the whole trail, you know, be, you know, having to hire someone being involved in really questionable shit because it's the only way for them to get from one part of Turkey to another part, or maybe even to get to Europe. Um you know, terrorist attacks take place in Western places, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. It touches on a lot of different things. And it seems at least sometimes to have, to have good intentions. Uh, The reason I I sound so sort of hesitant and conflicted sometimes is because there are other times when I'm watching this show when I feel like, I don't know if I trust your intentions. I don't know if this is a sincere attempt to like tell honest stories or I, you know, maybe we're veering into some like, you know, red meat for the, for the American nationalists. Um, there are just moments you know when you see when the fact that the show is about a goody two-shoes CIA analyst becomes becomes foregrounded to the extent that it is a little bit hard to necessarily take like there's a scene in particular I'm thinking of where you you see Jack Ryan making a pitch to a potential asset standing literally in front of an American flag (laughs) and it's it's you know there's a little they on sort the nose. of <laughs> they sort of earn it. It's not like total bullshit, right? But it's also way too on the nose. There's another whole subplot that I alluded to in an earlier conversation with Adrian, but I never fully described. I'm not going to describe it now, but it, there's a whole subplot that is perhaps even more on the nose in a way that it, you know it's a subplot that involves Americans. There's a lot of a lot of different aspects of the show that try to address the fact that america's middle east policy is like hopelessly fucked in all kinds of different ways and they and they sort of like point their lens at that like from a few different angles but they don't necessarily have the focus on they don't necessarily want to zoom in they don't necessarily want to keep it pointed at that they don't necessarily have the courage of their convictions in a certain way sometimes and then other times it's like holy shit you know i never thought i would see that depicted on american tv at all Mm -hmm. so i i I feel conflicted about the show in different ways i would love to hear what like a middle east expert would say about it right um i i think you know at the end of the day i have enjoyed watching it and i'm gonna finish the first season so consider that a kind of equivocal (laughs) you know you know uh statement about the the merits of the show
0: yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting. I was struck. Honestly, I saw a single trailer for it. And um, uh, Jack Ryan is played by John Kras- Krasinski. I think yeah, is his name. the guy from the gym from the office. Yeah, Jim from the office. And I just couldn't get over. I know the gym from the office of him. And like. It was some like really intense scene and you could just like see the acting. And for me, whenever I can see the acting, I like immediately check out. So I'll put it this way. I don't watch it for him. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so
1: compelling about the show, the reason why I, I get, have gotten drawn into it, is for the depictions of the Middle Eastern people. Right. They're so much more three dimensional than any depictions of people from the Middle East I've ever seen on American TV. It's amazing, you know. There's whole huge, you know, chunks of episodes that are just entirely their lives. Hmm. And and quiet moments in their lives where and where where you where you start to feel like holy shit this isn't I don't want to compare this to Homeland I want to compare it to The Wire right but then then it becomes homelandy mm-hmm. you know and, and so that's I guess it's like a show that veers between Homeland and The Wire in a, in a certain sense right well and and I, I wonder. I'm curious what the creative team of the show looks like. <laughs> the other thing is they obviously know a lot. Like, there's a lot of stuff that seems really realistic, and then there's also a lot of stuff that's really unrealistic to the point where you sort of feel like the unrealistic stuff is like tacked on. And the people that are writing this know a lot about, mm-hmm. or at least they're 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 more knowledgeable about uh, about uh, CIA operations and foreign policy and like what's going on in different parts of the world then you know for like just a classic example this is the whole there's a whole bunch of uh sections of different episodes that take place in france in different parts of the character's lives before they're radicalized Mm -hmm. and you see you see on american television a depiction of like the life of lebanese refugees in like a north paris banlieue Totally in French, right? Except when, except when, except when it's in Arabic, <laughs>
0: and and it's just like wow, that's and it's not bad, you know. I mean, it's, right. it's not like perfect, but it's like it's like pretty good, you know. Like, I mean, the unfortunate part of this is that the only way to show those stories is in kind of like a raw, raw America CIA exactly, type television show.
1: Exactly, exactly. At
0: you the know. end of the day, you know, the hero of this show
1: is this CIA analyst who's going to like end up killing them all, right? And you know, it's it's
0: very weird. So it's a weird thing. Yeah, it does sound kind of um, like there's some sort of like cognitive dissonance there that is hard to like wrap your wrap your head around. Yeah,
1: but but I guess in a way I, I would watch it like just for the for the villains because they're or
0: the quote unquote villains <laughs> right because right? because they're really moving. There's some really moving stuff. This is funny because at the beginning of it before we started recording, you were worried that you wouldn't be able to actually talk about this and. <laughs> I don't think that's the case at all.
1: (laughs) Well, it's not that there's nothing to say about it. It's that I'm worried about, you know, because I'm not an expert in the Middle East, but I know enough about foreign policy and politics to know that to know that there there are some issues here that are seriously subtle and complicated. And I don't right. I don't know that. I don't know. You know, I. I, I would be concerned that that I would just have gotten some stuff wrong and that and that, you know, somebody who knew more about it would look at the show and be like, ugh gross, you know, mm-hmm. and nothing
0: redeeming about it. They would say maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Well, I think it's, you know, it's it's like what you like is what you like. And also there it sounds like it's more interesting than a show like that. Like it's not 24 and it's not home. Oh,
1: yeah. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be 24 And that's why I turned it on because I was like, eh, you know, I, I literally, I thought I would watch five minutes of one episode and then be able to say, yeah, I tried it. It sucked. But I was, (laughs) I was, I was much, it was much more interesting than that.
0: That's cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's good at least. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was it for me. Do you have anything more that you wanted to shout out?
1: I guess, you know, the more I talk about stuff, there are probably other fun things, but I think measured politics is the thing we should end on as, as we have begun on it.
0: Right, that's probably a good idea. MeasuredPolitics.org, where we're hopefully doing real good work. I mean, we, I know we are because I talk to our candidates, and the like. What they're able to do with our money is kind of astounding. Whether it's hiring mm-hmm. people or doing radio ads, and actually like challenging really bad people in Congress. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I mean, you know, a,
1: a, a small donation to these people can can be the difference between them having the ability to hire a part time person to help them or not.
0: Right. You and think these are all that. like, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of these campaigns, the campaigns are <laughs> the person who is running and maybe some of their like kids helping them out. Yeah. It's really, it's really inspiring to, 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 to hear
1: some of the stories of the people that are running for some of these offices. You know, they're just regular people. They're really mm-hmm. like they're, I, I, I feel like, you know, could be somebody I know. I mean, you know, at this point I've met, I've not met, but I've interacted with a couple of them and it's amazing. Right. Oh yeah. Cause
0: you, you've probably gotten, um, like postcards and stuff from them. Yep. And emails and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. If you donate, you will get inundated with them thanking you and stories about their campaigns and stuff. It's really, I mean, they care and they, they, (laughs) there's a lot of work that they're doing and they put a lot of work into this. So it's really, it's really cool to watch. And, um, you know, we, we may eventually, I think the other thing to say is we, I hope we should, by the time this episode comes out, have like candidate profiles of at least like four or five of the candidates up on our blog, which will be linked on the website too. So you can actually like go in and see them and who they are and what they're doing. Um, we're, we're working hard on that. The, the, you know, the organization is like, pretty much me and some like part-time volunteers. So <laughs> we're doing our best and, uh, you know, the volunteers we have are great too.
1: You're doing great.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I think with that, we will we will wrap up Spectology for today. Um, fuck. Man, I hate ending this podcast. <laughs> WJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Music WJ uh, on SoundCloud. You're hearing it now. Art is uh no bradley dot bradley, com cool prints and stuff um we will be back next week with our nine fox gambit post read I loved the book I thought it was super super great so I hope people if you haven't read it or haven't finished it got a week go go out you can definitely read it in a week it is a great like it's super book. fun super fun mind candy absolutely right in a good way not in a bad way it is it is like the best kind yeah i mean
1: right i mean candy makes it sound like it's bad for you it's not bad for you no
0: and then uh yeah so we'll be back with ellie to talk about that then and um yeah until then we will see you all bye guys bye matt see you later